Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. Hey, thanks everyone, and thanks team for, uh, for leading us this morning. Uh, I love songs that try to put their finger on like the mystery of the things we're learning about. And uh, this morning we're, we're continuing a series that has very much a lot of mystery connected to it. Thanks guys. Uh, has a lot of mystery connected to it, and, and that's the whole issue of suffering. And uh, before I begin, I want to say a special hello if we haven't met Uh, maybe you trickled in a bit late or you're watching us online. Uh, let me just say hello uh, again. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. My name is Dominic, and I, I just it's such an honor to uh, be learning together and to uh, really maybe feel in our hearts that spring is around the corner, but it's not here yet. Uh, but we've been uh, kind of thinking about how we can prepare ourselves for the season of Easter that for many people is just like comes and goes and, you know, we just you know, we maybe get a day off work or whatever. But, but the truth is that in the story of Christianity, there's actually a season of preparation that moves us towards Easter, and it's the season of Lent. Actually, our kids, we talked about our learning that with their, with their journals. And we've been kind of thinking about this as a church to say, God, would you help us really take seriously that you prepare us to receive the gift of Jesus at, at, at Easter and on Good Friday in a way that we need to almost reflect on in a new way. And one of the themes that comes up during Lent is this theme of suffering. The theme of suffering is a really hard topic to talk about, and we're going to spend a few weeks, and every week we're going, to, we're going to talk about suffering in different ways. And I think about suffering, I think of people I've prayed with, I think of people that I've loved who passed away, I think of people that I know that I visit in a hospital, and you, you go see them and they don't get better. I think that suffering has a way of forcing us to think about what we believe about God. And that's why suffering is such an important topic. And also the other thing that suffering does is it helps us to pay attention to how the world often gives us a different way of thinking about suffering that's not a biblical way of thinking about suffering. You know, this week I was reading an article and it's, it's, a, it's a larger interview and it was done by the BBC. The BBC is a British kind of documentary kind of news station. They did this crazy story and the documentary is called Sickness and Lies and it explores influencers who fake being sick because they can make lots of money on the internet by doing it. And I thought this is like, I was watching this and thinking, oh my goodness, like the complexities around suffering. And there's a term that's used by the article that they basically called that we're living in a world of chronic illness influencers. That people who maybe are sick for a little while and get online and they develop a community of people who support them, but then they realize they have so many followers that as they get better, they don't tell people they're getting better. They just keep pretending that they're sick so that they don't lose all their followers. And if you have a lot of followers, guess what you also have a lot of? Money. And I thought, what does it mean to be those who are shaped by how the Bible invites us to learn about suffering in a world that even finds a way to make money on suffering, to make money on illness, to make money on these things? And one of the things that I hope this series does for us is that it corrects assumptions that we make sometimes. 
Things that we start to believe over time and we're like, we say them kind of like easily to other people and we realize they're not really like true things. Like one of my favorite things that I think I've believed for a long time is that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Have any of you heard that? You want to sing the song? There's a song. I'm going to sing it. You ready? Sing it. Why are you laughing? All of you are judging me right now. You can leave right now. No, I'm kidding. No, it doesn't, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It's a song and people say that all the time. They're going through a hard time. And you know what? That's just not true. Has anybody ever told you that? There's a lot of things that don't kill you and they don't make you stronger. They make you weaker. And they also make you bitter. They also make you angry. They also make you annoying. And they also make you gossip. That's the whole truth. Now, we want to believe that we get through a difficult time and we come out stronger. And that can happen. But it's not the whole truth. But yet that's how the world frames things. There's like these phrases that we learn and we repeat them and we say them to other people. And yet the Bible is inviting us to something much deeper that requires that we think carefully about what we believe, that we actually learn what the Bible teaches. Another assumption I talked about last week is the assumption that God is there to make our lives better. I believe that's like most of my life. I thought, okay, I'll believe in God and if I believe in God, my life is going to get better and I won't have problems. And then you have problems and you're like, oh, no, I don't know what to do anymore. I don't believe in God. You know, and there's people that it's, it's like roller coaster Christianity, like you're a Christian as long as things are good and then you're gone. And, and Jesus dealt with this in the Bible all the time. Would we be those who let God correct us in some of this? Some of the things that we say or maybe even repeat and don't realize, like that's not always helpful or true. And it's obviously not something that's going to make us more like Jesus. So as we go through this series on suffering, one of the things we've tried to do is to take you back to listen to a writer in the Bible who's helping people who are experiencing suffering. And his name is the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah writes in a time when the people in the Bible are going through incredible suffering. Some of the suffering, if you were here last week, you know this, is a suffering that they have brought on themselves. It's a suffering connected to disobedience. Now, you might never heard of that, but if you're a parent, you know, you know that well. You encourage your kids in a certain way, and they want to do it their way, and they, want to, they just experience suffering of disobedience. That's just part of life. And if you missed that, that sermon, you can go online and you can watch it. But the prophet Isaiah is helping the people of God understand this, and Isaiah is such a hard book to read. Like, if you're learning about Christianity and you start with Isaiah, listen, two minutes in and you're like, I'm out of here, you know. So if you're in a home group, like, we're encouraging you to go deeper, to maybe start reading Isaiah, but I have a little sketch for you if you want to read Isaiah that Isaiah should be read in three sec- It has three parts to it. And you just go to, go to the slide of the sections. Chapters 1 to 39 are just sections really of how the people of God are moving through a season of being displaced and now they're in exile, meaning they're no longer in their land and other nations have taken them over. And because they've been disobedient, God now is going to let them experience what it's like to live under the rule of other nations. And so if you read Isaiah, you read the beginning, it feels like heavy. You're like, okay, like how do we get out of this? You know, I can handle like a bad hour or a bad week, but not like a hundred years, right? I'm not one of those people and I know we, we don't know what to do with that. So Isaiah talks about that. And then there's that section, chapter, 40s, chapter 40 to 55, starts to introduce that God's doing something new. And then the last section is that this new thing that God's doing, he does with a servant. There's a servant who comes and he's going to come and he's going to be the suffering servant. He's going to sacrifice for the people where we often see in the New Testament there's a reference to what Jesus does as he fits into this big picture. And so if, if you're just with us this morning, I want to maybe encourage you that this season might be a time where you're stretched to read a bit of Isaiah for the first time. And if you start reading it, you're like, okay, I think I understand this a little bit better. Some of it will make sense, some of it won't all the time. 
But as Jesus starts to teach, he, this, this morning I want to talk about how one day he's going to reference Isaiah. So I want to talk to you about this time in the life of Jesus where he begins to tell the people that God is doing something new. And he uses this beautiful language where, you know, he basically says you need to repent means you have to do a 180. You have to be ready to turn from the, the way you've been living and to begin to set your life on a path that's God's path for your life. And the people are like, well, you know, we're not sure. We love some of the things we're doing. Things are going fine. And Jesus starts to invite them to think about this new thing that awaits them. But before this happens in the life of Jesus, is Jesus himself will go through a period in the wilderness. And some of you maybe know the story. It's kind of a famous story that you learn about during Lent. Jesus will find himself in the wilderness experiencing his own kind of suffering, his own temptations, his own struggles, as he begins to follow God and to do what God's called him to do. And this is kind of what we're told kind of in the beginning of Luke's gospel about Jesus starting his ministry. It says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted. Jesus then, after those 40 days, he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread. If you're learning about Jesus right at the beginning of his life, this starts to happen in his life. We're kind of like thrown off a little bit. Like you don't expect like to be filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. I grew up that when the Holy Spirit is with you, he makes sure you avoid the wilderness. Like that's my pattern. So this right away kind of confuses us a little bit. Like why would Jesus be led by the Spirit into a season which is the wilderness? If you're taking notes, you want, might want to remember this that one of the things Jesus is going to model is what, to, how, what it means to trust God in these difficult spaces. And the wilderness was this image that often in the Bible was connected to the desert. Periods in our life where we feel we are all alone. That nobody understands us, that nobody cares, that nobody can help us. People who suffer feel that. And Jesus is not only going to be in the wilderness, he's going to be tempted in the wilderness. Have you ever been tempted in a difficult time in your life? Have you ever been tempted in those difficult times to doubt whether God loves you? To doubt whether God loves your kids? To doubt whether God has any plans for you? I have. And I often, to tell you the truth, I often have felt like, how could this be happening to me? Like, I'm a pastor, I read the Bible, I teach people about the Bible. Why do bad things happen? And each of us can have seasons in our life where we see the wilderness not as an opportunity to listen to God and to let God teach us new things, but we often feel the wilderness as a time where we start to doubt God's love. And Jesus is led by the Spirit in this wilderness. And when he comes out of the wilderness, it's kind of like the beginning. Think about a door opens up and his ministry is about to begin. Jesus doesn't begin his ministry with flashiness. He begins it with a season of obedience in the wilderness. And now as he steps out of the wilderness, he begins to kind of say certain things and he's reminding the people of some beautiful things that God's going to do. And one of the things I want you to remember is that wilderness for each of us is a time we look back on our lives where we realize where we should have died, we should have fallen apart, we should have doubted God, and yet God was with us. We each have times in our lives, and if they haven't happened yet, they come. Seasons where we look back and say, God, you know what? My marriage should have never survived that, but it did. Our finances should have never survived this mistake, but we did. Parenting our teens during this period was so hard and we had no idea what we were doing and we shouldn't have made it, but God was with us and we couldn't even see him at work, but he did get us through that time. 
Actually, if you want a, a picture of this, guess who talks about this kind of hope in the wilderness? The prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah will use language of the wilderness and will say things about it that nobody expects. This is what he says. It's so profound. Even the wilderness and the desert will be glad in those days. And when he comes, this one who's going to come to set the people free, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer. Have you ever seen a deer leap? Leap like a deer. And those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Prophet Isaiah, he talked about that there's a way of seeing the wilderness where it's not just a place where people go and die, where people go in doubt, where people go and are in despair, but that there's one who's going to come who's going to change even how we interpret the wilderness. And things will start to happen where things that seem to be dying and broken and falling apart, people can see now. People can jump now. People can sing. By the way, this is such a beautiful passage for, for us as we learn about singing in worship. We get so used to kind of like hearing people play instruments here and we just watch them. We just kind of like, I hope I like the songs. You know, if I don't, I'll sit down or I'll pick up my phone. That so much of Isaiah talks about when this new life starts to bubble up in you is you cannot but sing. You cannot but celebrate because music is one of the ways that we look for words to express that God is doing something new from a place that we should have died. But he found us there. And something is happening. And we don't always know what it is that's happening, but God is with us in the wilderness. In the middle of suffering, in the middle of pain, in the middle of disorientation. And it's funny that Jesus begins his ministry from this place. From this kind of wilderness place. And this is what we're told happens next. He was teaching in their synagogues. And everyone praised him. And then he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. If you're taking notes, you want to circle that. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Jesus, this is the first recorded sermon we have that Jesus ever preaches. Maybe he preached others. But this is one of the first ones he has, and he's going to preach from the prophet Isaiah. This is going to be a good sermon, friends. Jesus can preach. He says, like, he goes back to his hometown, and we realize that people in his hometown are still, like, not sure what to do with him. They're like, well, like is this, if you read the whole passage, they're going to be like, is this Joseph's son? Like, when did he become a preacher? That as Jesus begins his ministry, he feels the expectations of people around him. And as he sits in the synagogue, I want you to remember that one of the practices of Jesus and his followers was they had a regular custom of worshiping together the way we do right now. We didn't invent getting, getting together like this, by the way. We didn't like look for how do we add something on Sunday to your schedule so that you're more busy. But if Jesus had to make time to be with those who worship God, trust me, you're going to need to make time to be with those who worship God. If Jesus had a pattern of developing a habit of hearing the scriptures, teaching the scriptures, and being with others who sang and worshiped and prayed together, it'd be foolish for us to think that we don't need to be those who are part of the church. Wouldn't it be? And yet there's so many people who are like, no, nah, I'm not into that. I don't do that anymore. This was the custom of Jesus of Nazareth. And yet for us, ah, whatever, you know, I'll listen to like worship music in my car. People say that stuff to me. Well, that's my church. I'm like, really? So Jesus of Nazareth, who was God, had the custom of gathering regularly with those who loved God and learned from God and learned from Him. And yet you're just going to hang out with Hillsongs in your car? 
Think about that. The custom of Jesus was to do this, was to practice being with others, listening. And on this day, it's his day to preach. It's his day to begin to teach. And we don't know this. Scholars actually are not sure if this reading from Isaiah was a reading that Jesus picks or if it was a reading that was accustomed to be given on a particular day. Just sometimes there was readings that were already set in place. But Jesus is going to read from the prophet Isaiah, and this is what he says, so profound from Isaiah. He says this, that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the oppressed, to the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Man, can you imagine if you were in that service hearing Jesus read this? Jesus reads this, and he's like, I am the one that Isaiah was talking about. That Isaiah's, I I gave it to you so you could see it on the slide there, that chapter 4 in Luke uh, is actually connected to Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2, that Jesus reads. And as he reads this, the people are like, oh, we know, we know Isaiah. We know what this means when this starts to happen. We know what this means when people who are poor and have been abandoned and have left told that their suffering is their problem when God says, I have seen their suffering now. Now watch what happens. Watch what happens now. And Jesus' ministry begins by him entering a world where people lived with suffering. And people had questions like we have questions. People wondered, like, why are people even sick? People actually will wonder, why, does Jesus, why doesn't Jesus heal everybody? Does it ever shock you that Jesus heals some people and some people he doesn't heal? It would bother me. I would ask Jesus about that. You, you healed their son, but not my son? Jesus, aren't you supposed to fix everything? Because Isaiah is trying to tell us about the new season that Jesus is bringing that starts with Jesus but continues with his disciples, continues with us, that we would be those who remind others that because Jesus is making us new, we can enter the life of suffering that people experience and walk with them and encourage them by the power that Jesus left us. That Isaiah the prophet, if you read Isaiah, he uses this language that this is a season that has a special kind of title. If you have your Bible, or if you look at it later, if you want to make a note of this, Isaiah 61 is called the year of the Lord's favor. It's a fascinating section of Isaiah. I mean, I'd be great with just the week of the Lord's favor, right? Or like two months of the Lord's favor is enough. But the year of the Lord's favor, like for a year, things are going to go from good to better to the bestest. Is that a word? I don't think so. Can you imagine that Isaiah says, when we get to this section of Isaiah and you're reading it, there's a bubbling up of things getting better, things improving. And I'm not sure if you've ever had this in your life where you have a season in your life where you feel like things are getting worse every day, not better. And how hard it is to believe that things will get better when you don't see them get better. You know, when the people are reading this in the book of Isaiah, things are not getting better. They have to start to believe by faith that God is doing something they can't see yet. And that's only going to be fulfilled years later when Jesus reads this and says, the things Isaiah spoke about, you are seeing them happen right now. In your midst, you're seeing them. Maybe for you, that imagery of Jesus kind of giving sight to the blind, helping the lame walk, doesn't apply to you. You know, for years, I read that passage, and I'm like, I mean, I'm not blind. I don't need this. 
I'm fine. Like, I got my legs. I'm walking fine. It's easy to read passages like that in the Bible and think they're for someone else who's having a bad week. They're not for me. But Jesus is going to say there's a type of blindness that's worse than physical blindness. There's a type of pain and suffering that's worse than just breaking your arm or breaking your leg or feeling that you can't walk. He's going to start to turn his sermon to give attention to a kind of spiritual blindness and a a kind of suffering and pain that the people have been ignoring. And I want to just go just a little bit further here. And I want you to think of the idea of the year of the Lord's favor that the people are waiting for. If you want to just think about that in in a way that will help us today, just think of something you look forward to in the next year. Just think about it in something in your mind, something you look forward to. We're going to say some of you are getting sleepy, so I want to say when you have it, stand up. Some of you will be like, oh, I've got to wake up, I've got to wake up. Okay, you have it? Some of you are like, my friend's getting married, so I have a marker. Or some of you are thinking, I'm having a child. I can't wait for that day. It's marked. Think of whatever you're thinking of. You probably have the details you're planning. You know what? When we have something in our mind that we can't wait that's going to happen, like a day, we usually hire a photographer. Anyone? Because you've got you to remember. You've got to remember, and you've got to show your kids right? That there's something about special days that the details of those days are all marked. There's days that you're aware of and you remember and you tell other people. And if you're with somebody who was there and they remember wrong, you yell at them. You ever do this? It happens sometimes with my wife. We're thinking about something. Hon, remember the first time we went on vacation? And I'll be like, oh yeah, we, we were there and we had that meal. She's like, that didn't happen there. I'm like, okay, babe, relax, relax. You have an <laughs> You have an argument, like, you have to remember right. I was there, because the details, they matter. If you don't believe details matter, forget your honeymoon, forget your anniversary, forget to, uh, somebody's birthday. You see how foul, you didn't remember me. I thought you loved me. I thought you were my forever friend. Not going to happen. The year of the Lord's favor. And I want to show you something that's really special about Isaiah 61. That everybody who knows Isaiah 61, everybody who prayed and read and waited for God to get them out of their suffering, to set them free, to see new things happen, they also were waiting for God to punish those people who had hurt the people of God. And I actually did this, just so you could see it. I took a picture of Isaiah 61, right, with technology. They didn't do that in Bible times. They got a picture. And I want to show you a section of Isaiah 61 of verse 1 and 2, as Jesus just read, that Jesus leaves out. You can just go to the image. That if you go back and read it, Jesus ends to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But everybody who's listening to Jesus is waiting for the last part. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all those who mourn. Everybody would have been like, well, wait a second, there's something missing, Jesus. The day of the Lord's favor is also the day where you tell us how all those who hurt us will pay. Tell us, tell us more about that. And it's almost like Jesus doesn't quote that part. It's almost like Jesus wants them to understand that his love and his care and his ministry is not just about having revenge for those who hurt the people of God. It's not just about seeing God's coming as like, yes, we finally won and those who hurt us are going to pay because this is what suffering does to us. Suffering blinds us sometimes from the kind of healing that God offers us. And when that suffering is not dealt with properly, we only feel we'll be better when other people are hurt. If anyone's ever hurt you, you know the feeling of wanting them to get revenge. Maybe you might not give them, you know, you might not hurt them, but you hope somebody does. 
Or if you hear about them being hurt, you're like, kind of maybe they had it coming to them. You know, I'm sorry. Let's pray, which you're not praying anyway. It's funny that as Jesus quotes this passage, he starts to emphasize that maybe for them to understand what God is about to do is not, to do, is not just going to be that God is starting something new, but God is also going to show love to those who maybe had caused the suffering to begin with. This is something that would have been so hard for the people to understand. They're like, we know the year of the Lord's favor. We know what it's like for God to set us free. We know what it's like for us to not be poor again and to struggle, but we also want to know that the people that have hurt us, that they will pay as well. And it's almost like Jesus now is going to start to preach, and this is one of those moments in the preaching where if you're listening to Jesus, you better hope you have a notebook. Because he's going to start to teach in a way that's going to take them deeper and deeper and deeper as they learn about how is Jesus talking about Isaiah? And what Jesus is going to do is he's going to talk about two other prophets that were in the world, like Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah was a prophet. Jesus now is going to introduce us to two other prophets. If you're in a home group, I hope you have some time to think about this. But Jesus is going to say, let me just remind you of two other prophets. You can go to the slide. And these two prophets are he's going to talk about just in the next section. I mean, Jesus is such a master preacher. He's like in Isaiah, and now he's like, hey, let me just unpack what you maybe have missed from the prophet Isaiah, and let me tell you about two other prophets. One is the prophet Elijah, and one is the prophet Elisha. Jesus is going to talk about them. He's going to talk about these prophets, and he's going to talk about them by emphasizing something that no one expects. I wonder how many of us would still be paying attention to Jesus. I wonder how many of us would have been like, this young guy, he's boring. Let's just go. Where's the food? I smell food. Let's go. Jesus is like, stick, stick with me here. You want to be part of this new thing that God is doing? You want to experience the year of the Lord's favor? You want to experience it? If you want to experience it, then you better be those who also want others who have hurt you to experience it. Because when God comes, he comes to heal you, but he also comes to heal those who hurt you. And if you don't want that, you're never going to understand the year of the Lord's favor. You never will. And Jesus says, you know the prophet Elijah? One day, when he was like teaching, there was a widow in his midst. And the widow struggled, and she was a widow that did not belong to the people of God. She was not part of the people of God. She was an outsider. Whenever you hear the word outsider, think about she was one who suffered because she didn't have a place to belong. And the prophet Elijah, you know what he did? He did something nobody expected. He went to her. He left just being a prophet of the people of God, and he went to her because she needed to know that God had heard and seen her suffering too. And then if that's not enough, let's go to someone else. Let's go to an army commander called Naaman that the Jewish people would have been like, uh, we remember them. Our grandparents told us stories of those people. Tell us how, how they're going to die. Jesus is like, really? Do you remember the prophet Elisha? There was a day when Naaman, this army commander, had this illness, this sickness, this on his skin. It's a form of leprosy. And the prophet could have said, you know what? You're not one of the people of God. You've hurt the people of God. Die in your leprosy. That makes sense. But that's not what Elisha does. Elisha tells Naaman, go wash yourself in the river a certain amount of times and you'll see your leprosy will go away. This happens. Like Jesus, this is Jesus' sermon. Jesus is preaching from Isaiah 61. And he's using these prophets and this is what we're told. It's profound. Truly I tell you, he continued, there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. 
Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to the widow in Zephyrath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. This is one of the first sermons we have of Jesus, of saying to those who've lived their whole life with suffering, that they would need to learn to experience God's freedom for their lives, and that would only happen when they were ready to forgive all of those who hurt them for years. When they were ready to surrender their own pain to God and to really be set free because the new things that God was about to do through Jesus was not just for the Jewish people. It was not just for them to feel like God's favor is on our side and we're going to win and we're the ones who's going to have God help us. That Jesus is about to do something that's going to help the people of God but he's also going to make room for those who don't think they belong as part of the people of God. One of the great lessons of this sermon is that all of us have to pay attention to suffering in our lives that has never really healed, to the kind of pain that we face that we leave unattended because we believe nonsense, like, you know what? Time heals all wounds. Don't worry. No, it doesn't. It does not. If we learn anything about the people of God is that hundreds of years have happened since the time of the prophet Isaiah. And the people of God should have heard, God should have heard this, that God is coming now and there's a new, there's a new movement of God's spirit that's going to heal you and it's going to heal those around you. You know what you should hear now if you're all quiet? Quiet, listen, listen. You know what you should hear? Singing. You hear do you hear it? How great is our God? Do you hear it? Do you hear the people singing? How great is our God? Do you hear them that they're worshiping? Would you hear them? This is the time where you cue the band. Come on, band. This is the time that our God is so great that not only is he going to set us free, not only is this the year of the Lord's favor, but he's also setting free those who hurt us. He's also going to go to those who tried to hurt us and kill us, and he's going he's gonna to let them experience his grace as well. This is the cue. This is what you're waiting for. And this is what we're told happens in Jesus' first sermon. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in, or, in order to throw him off the cliff. Jesus' first sermon. Can you imagine being that angry with somebody that you think about how you could kill them? Have you ever been that angry in your life? Don't put your hands up. <laughs> Somebody's like, can you imagine, like, we just went from, like, Jesus is, like, the one who's coming to say, Isaiah, the year of the Lord's favor, this is going to be so great. And then within a few minutes, they're like, you, you don't get our suffering. This is not how this works. This is not how Isaiah, this is not what this means. When God comes, the people that hurt us, they're going to pay more than we paid. The people wanted revenge more than redemption. Because all those who do not deal with their own suffering always want revenge as part of redemption. Always. If you don't believe me, trust me. Pay attention next time you talk bad about somebody that hurt you. And someone tells you something good is happening in someone's life that hurts you, you hate it. You're like, no, 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 it can't be. They're lying. They don't change. People don't change. I know them. That in this first sermon that Jesus gets to preach, he will say, let's look at the prophet Isaiah. And let me show you to understand the prophet Isaiah in a way that you maybe never read it. It's one of the great gifts that Jesus gives us, right? He teaches us to read the Bible properly. 
Rather than saying, no, no, we want God to have vengeance and anger and retribution and, and revenge. Jesus will say, I'll talk to you about that later. And I'll explain to you the kind of suffering that the servant in Isaiah will experience. But as for you, your hearts are still not healed. The people who are listening to Jesus in the synagogue, they could have went from a moment of starting to celebrate God's goodness and they go from a moment of hearing Jesus preach to thinking, we're going to kill you now. If you want to remember anything about the story of Jesus, remember that the first time Jesus is, is taken to be killed is not on the cross, but it's in a synagogue as he teaches with those who saw him grow up. And they decide but we better kill him now before this message gets too edgy. I'm not going to tell you what happens next. But Jesus has a way that he gets away from that situation. And the Bible doesn't tell us this. But as a pastor and as a preacher, I often think about Jesus maybe going to be alone and just crying. That the people are not even ready for the good news that Jesus is about to bring them. The people are not even ready for the new things that God wants to do in their midst. You know why? Because when you experience suffering and pain long enough, you're more comfortable in your suffering than in God saving you. When you experience pain and suffering long enough, you know exactly how to maneuver in that space. You know how to be a victim in that space. You know how to tell other people that you were hurt the most out of everybody. And if anybody tries to tell you they were hurt more, they're wrong. And long enough, that's who you become. But maybe today is the day that that changes. Maybe today is the day that we together say, God, is there an area of suffering in my life that would keep me from being excited about the things that you want to do in my life and in the life of the people that hurt me? This is the day. This is the day if we're hearing Jesus preach. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And I want to tell you about how the earliest Christians are going to learn to model a kind of love and grace and hope towards those who hurt them. Maybe you think of a time in your life that somebody hurt you and you still, you see that, you, you think of their name, you hear their voice, you remember where you were standing and you just can't get past that. You just can't. Maybe this is a day where Jesus says, just leave it here. Leave it here. Because suffering and pain that is not surrendered to Jesus only leads to more suffering and pain. You've maybe heard this before, and it's a, it's a true saying, that hurt people continue to hurt people. And in my life and in your life, there have been times where I felt justified justified to want those who have hurt me to pay. But you know who's more justified? The people that Jesus is preaching to. The people Jesus is preaching to have had years of suffering. They're reading Isaiah, they're reading the prophets, they're singing, and now Jesus is like, this is it. Today, in my presence among you, Jesus says, the words of the prophet Isaiah are about to be fulfilled in your midst. And you expect them to be so excited and instead, they're ready to kill him. Ready to kill him. What an opportunity for us to get honest about the kinds of things that just linger in our hearts. Things that we've never really surrendered to God. Because we believe 
the way the world deals with suffering is going to help us. That wisdom doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. That over time things will get better. And that's just not true. Things get better when Jesus heals us. Things get better when we feel the restoration of God in our lives so that when we see those who hurt us, we want what's best for them because Jesus has grace for them as well. Let's just stand. It always shocks me. It's still probably one of the things that shocks me the most about being a pastor, about being with people who've experienced God's grace in so many ways and yet are so angry against other people who need God's grace. It's like I meet people whose lives were broken and messy and God begins to heal them and then it's a chance for them to be gracious towards others and they just can't do it. It's a reminder for all of us, right, that there's places in our hearts that need to really be restored and if they're not, you will always look for revenge first and never experience God's healing. Let's sing the song before we close.
he, Jesus, began by saying to them, Today, the scripture in Isaiah is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at his gracious words. It would take about five verses for them to want to kill him. Such a reflection of us. We love God when he comes with grace for us, but not for those we hate. For them, revenge. That is not the way of Jesus. And it's not the way of those who've been healed and who've surrendered their pain to Jesus. It's really hard to confess that we have that kind of pain going on. It's better to medicate and drugs and blame and all these other things. The world will give you options, trust me. But Jesus says, just come and let me restore this part of your life, maybe years, so that you would be excited that this is the year of the Lord's favor. Not just for you, but for others who don't know me yet. For those who feel like they don't belong. For those who are not part of Israel. This is for them too now. I'm going to invite you all to just close your eyes. Just bow with me. And I want to give a chance maybe to some of you who are here to respond to this in a way that's fair to you. You came here this morning and we often think about we, we don't just come to church but we've been drawn by Jesus. So we believe as a church that you're here because Jesus wanted to teach you something special this morning. And maybe you're here and you need freedom from a burden of deep suffering that you've been carrying. Something someone did to you that you thought was gone, but it's there. Or maybe something that you did to someone that you wish you could say sorry, but they're gone. Before I pray, I just want to give you a minute. That's you. Just open up your hands. Just as a symbol of openness to God. And in those hands, I want you with your eyes closed to see your suffering. I want you to see in those hands you holding the people's hands who hurt you. Because if Jesus sets you free, he must set them free too. never tasted of God's freedom. Never. Today you will. Jesus can heal this. You must trust Him. With your anger, with your gossip, with your tendency to want to see others pay the way you paid, just leave it. Leave it with Jesus. Father, we have come today and we know that the, the power of the Spirit that 
was on Jesus on that day is in our midst. And it's that same spirit that is setting people free today. We know because you've set us free. We know. But for some of us, there are areas in our lives that have a hold on us. Where anger grows, where bitterness grows, where sadness grows. You must touch those areas. You must. Because it bothers you when we suffer. pray for those who've opened their hands as a sign of confession and a desire to surrender their pain, to surrender their suffering, that this day would be marked as a day that is part of God's favor on their life, and that they would begin to sense forgiveness and hope and healing extended to those who have hurt them that we would be those who are excited when your grace and your good news touches those who have hurt us because you are making all things new, Jesus. We thank you for the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit now. As we go from this place, may you continue to help us as we move closer to the cross and understand that this freedom cost you everything. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, everyone, thanks for uh, being with us. Yeah. We, uh, we want to remind you that, uh, you know, we're going to hear next week as we learn again. If you're in a home group, we're praying. God's going to do some special things in your home groups. If you pray with someone, just talk to someone. We just have a prayer space right up front here. We don't want you to have to rush off. Do remember your kids and be careful all the snow as you drive off. God bless everyone. See you soon. See you later online.